Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> you got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I got to ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African-Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Transformation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and today's episode is brought to you by the folks at the Creative Running Collection, an eclectic ensemble of artists from all walks of life and disciplines. I mean, we're talking established to want to be writers, actors, directors, artists, bloggers, vloggers, videographers, podcasters, journalists, producers, and editors who are passionate about creating content for running and entertainment purposes. Still, but more importantly, they inspire people to pursue a healthy lifestyle by helping them identify their purpose, maximize their potential accelerate their growth and continuing the cycle. In other words, they help people IMAC their life. So, if you've got some hidden talent and you're looking for a safe place to express, own, and display your talent, shoot them an email at the Behind the Wheel Morning Show at gmail.com. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, or know of an entrepreneur, a small business owner looking to advertise on the Behind the Wheel podcast, but weren't certain as to whether or not there was a possibility, we have eliminated all the guesswork. It certainly is a reality. Who's this we you're talking about? You know it's just you. I'm not going to go with we. We now have... Be going with we? I think we're going to go with we. Let's try. We now have the ability for you to sponsor an episode. How cool is that? Your ad can run pre, mid, or post-roll. Simply visit coffee.com forward slash btw podcast the details will be in the show notes that's ko hyphen fi dot com forward slash btw podcast and one of the cool things about coffee.com is it allows supporters of the show to buy me a cup of coffee you all know i like coffee so shout out to latoya shante soul inspired kimberly hall and kim isaiah that's why I'm all hyped up on this coffee. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Baby Axe, Baby O.D. Rock, D. Living Stone. Okay, we got the sunshine, the official Behind the Wheel interview. For those of you, we got a special guest today. She is originally from Cleveland, Ohio, now residing in Louisiana. She made a pit stop in the Boogie Down Bronx. I did not know Doctor was from the Boogie Down Bronx. She is an author and a doctor. Doctor Heidi, love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Yes, yes. Excited to have you here. Um, I gotta know, Doc. Are you a coffee drinker? I. <laughs> I am not so, a lady or are you a five bucks lady? Um, I am a water in the morning with 
five miles on the track, lady. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> there's nothing with the, huh? with the energy bar that goes with it. Energy bar, okay. All right. So for those people who don't know um, who you are, Doc, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, how you got started on this crazy road to endurance sports? So I'm Dr. Heidi Lovett. I became a triathlete in 2014 when I finished my first triathlon Iron Girl in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was a part of an amazing team, Lona Hankins Edwards and Laverne Sony. So I was the swim leg on the relay. Mm -hmm. Um, And we came in first in our age group (laughs) six years ago and fell in love with being a triathlete. And I have been competing ever since. Mm. What led you to, I mean, you you just, you went, were you a marathoner first? I was, no, I was, I've always swam my entire Mm -hmm. life um, and became a, um, became a lifeguard and taught swimming lessons uh, in New Orleans for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And so swimming is my favorite sport. Um, And when the race came up, I thought, hey, this is neat. Let's try it. And they were like, sure, Heidi. And that's how we signed up for our first triathlon. That's when I met the Steel Magnolas. I'm a member of their triathlon team. Mm -hmm. So they're a group of women who compete uh, half Ironmans, Ironmans all over the world. And uh, that's the team I bought my first triathlon kit with. So I actually have a tri kit with my name on it that says Heidi Steel Magnolas. Mm. And I train with them on Wednesdays. We swim in Lake Pontchartrain <laughs> and we bike along Lake Pontchartrain. And then we also run there as well. Now, you were telling me that they have um, these non-aggressive alligators there that are really nice. They don't really disturb anyone. They don't bother anyone. They're not very threatening at all. So I people, find it hard to believe. So here in New Orleans, we have tribute, local tributaries of water called bayous, B-A-Y-O-U. And they run through the city. And we have alligators in the bayou. And we have trained in the bayou. But the alligators have never disturbed us. Um, and so they are pretty much, you know, protecting their own, their eggs, taking a nap. They eat the nutrient that run along the uh, bayou and, you know, the frogs, the, the turtles. Oh, okay. I'm not. <laughs> the, nutri- the nutrient. The nutrient. Yeah. And they have not, you, would not be, you would not be nutritious. They, they, they are opposed to, uh, human meat. They're, what are they, what are they vegan, um, vegan, uh, <laughs> vegan alligators. They don't really like human meat. Well, they have not disturbed me at all. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, Doc, this sounds dangerous. I I do not know. I mean, you, you have several degrees, letters behind your name and in front of your name. And I, I, I don't know if this is something that I would do with just um, Mr. in front of my name. I'm, maybe I'm not as hard. I'm just not as adventurous as you live life on the edge. I, I give it up for you. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a lot. Well, I, we've I, only trained in the bayou twice. Uh, most of our training is in like country train for open why, water swims. Why, why, why tw- I wouldn't even, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to let that be a sticking point 
of of our discussion here. Yes, I, let me off the hook on that one. I will let you off the hook on off on that one. Um, just hearing, I don't know. I got to tell folks how we. Um, I came across you because I I, I said I think I had posted um, I posted something in Black Triathlons group. Um, I think it was Seekers. I forget the video it was. Right. And then shortly Seeker there, Henry. Seeker Henry, yeah, from tragedy to, you know, to triumph, you know, what happens when life punches you in the face. And then I get an inbox with um, highlighted corrections on there. I was like, dang, she, I, I was grateful that you didn't use red, um, like a red pen, and tell me to rewrite this whole thing. I said, dang, wow. That's it's not the first time it's happened, but uh, <laughs> not that not that this is the first time I've got a correction from this is the first time I've gotten a correction from you. And then I think she ne- left one, you know, for me to correct on my own. And I almost started about, you know, submitting it back to her with the correction and saying, you know, you, you neglected to to point out this last uh, oversight. I thought that was um I thought that was thoughtful. But what got me was after discovering, because you know you go to a person's profile and you, you know, it's like who like I'm I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my stuff. I'm not, you know, I didn't cry, but I did go to her profile and I took a look and I discovered that Dr. Heidi Lovett is an author. And not only is she an author. She, she she was on a podcast and not just any podcast, an international <laughs> podcast. Now I'm now I'm, now I'm getting a little I'm, I'm like, OK, so she, she's on an international podcast. She's an author. How does she not know about the behind the wheel podcast? And I was beside myself. I couldn't understand why. The, how could that be? How could that be the case? So I reached out to Dr. Heidi Levitt and said, hello, Doc. Thank you so much for um, correcting my grammatical errors. I certainly appreciate it. That is not the reason why I'm calling you. (laughs) I'd like to know, did you know that I have a podcast and you have a book? How do you not want to talk about your book? So I was very excited. So I said, well, I'd like to have her on the show to talk about her book. So tell us about your book. So the name of my book is Poems and Blessings. It's a book of poems for children. I actually uh, published that book on the day my father passed from COVID-19. When was that? Um, I'm sorry? When when did you publish it? Uh, June 24th. June 24th, 2020. Uh, My father, Winston Cleveland Lovett, um, who graduated from Dilla University and finished his master's degree from uh, LSU, Louisiana State University. He Mm -hmm. was a writer. Mm. And we never had the opportunity to publish together. And so it was a peaceful activity for me. I was pretty excited and pretty, um, I was at peace with the way and the transition, the way he transitioned and our time that we spent together. Mm. And so the book was um, published on that day, June 24th. And then the hard copies became available on July 5th, which was my mother's 73rd birthday. Um, and so God blessed me with two parents um, mm-hmm. who love to write, who love to read. 
And my mother, um, you scroll through my Facebook page, she actually read one of the poems. Um, and it's on my Facebook page. And her words to me were, thank you, Heidi. And that was just a wonderful, wonderful connection that we can make um, for her to be able to read my first book. So I'm very, very excited. Mm. And so both of your parents are writers and uh, you just figured you would, you'd go and become a mathematician. Pretty much. Math is my favorite (laughs) subject. I love math. I have always loved math. I have tutored children on public transportation my entire life. When I caught the bus from elementary school to middle school to high school, I have tutored students in public school, private school. We would have our own sessions in the back of the bus Mm. where I would give them shortcuts to memorize different formula they needed for the test. Um, I've helped students. charging them? I did not charge. The only (laughs) fee on the bus was that they made sure I did not get beat up. And it worked quite successfully. <laughs> uh, so when there were, it did. When there were private school rivalries, I was not scratched nor harmed. <laughs> um, the students taught me how to catch the bus to football games, uh, and just it. So it was a um, communal exchange. <laughs> hmm. I would tutor them in math, and then they would help me socialize. <laughs> Uh, on the bus to get to football games and uh, dances, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And that just lent itself and rolled over into my participation in the summer program at Xavier called uh, SOAR, uh, Stress on Analytical Reasoning. So they recruited students from all over the world to participate in the summer program to sharpen our skills. And then I received the scholarship both to Howard University and to Xavier um, to major in math, and I chose Xavier University, where I graduated in 1992 as the mm-hmm. third student government association president. So I had a wonderful time there at Xavier and went on to finish my master's degree at the University of New Orleans and then went on to finish my doctorate degree at Andersonville Theological Seminary. So I am a mathematician. I teach math at the um, college level, both as an adjunct at Southern University at New mm-hmm. Orleans as well as Tulane, and I have taught K-12, through as well as exciting classes like calculus, <laughs> mm. as well as exciting classes like graduate statistics and graduate research. Uh, those two are actually my favorites. So I am uh, a nerd, a math head, a big brain, I think. <laughs> yes. All of those terms <laughs> accurately describe me, yes. Yes, I had a, um, a Pulp Fiction reference that was lost on um, <laughs> but um hey we will uh tee that up another time so um mm, you made me i i lost my train of thought there because i have nicknamed you diagonal derrick <laughs> yeah so i was gonna if, get to that but not <laughs> <laughs> in my teaching the way i teach and I talk about math anxiety um, as a real issue, particularly for African-American children and girls who are immediately talked out of being smart at a very young age. Um, they're taught that they're not good at math. Uh, math doesn't take you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, none of those um, 
none of those uh, inaccurate statements are true. And but what it does is it wears on the young person. It wears on their psyche and they begin to doubt themselves. And then they begin to try other subjects that aren't as exciting that they know they're really not interested in because either they've had the wrong math teacher or someone at home has said girls are not smart, girls belong in the kitchen, or they'll say black people don't do math. And young people tell me this all the time. Um, And I've had nurses and doctors, midwives, just last week a midwife said to me, you know, doc, Um, My mother told me girls are not smart and they can't be smarter than boys. Um, And so she went on to be a midwife. And of course, uh, she just turned the tide around to tell her girls that that's not true, you know. Mm. Um, And so this battle that we have, that young people have coming into their space of being smart, being recognized as being smart early, being allowed to explore math and mathematical concepts early, we have a responsibility of making sure we cultivate them early and continuously because in the space where they exist, somebody's always telling them what they can't do, what they can't be and what's not enjoyable. And unfortunately, particularly for women, uh, white women, black women, women of color, uh, we find an uphill battle as early as four years old. Um, So the blocks go to... Well, the blocks go to the boys and the aprons go to the girls or the kitchen utensils and dollhouses go to the girls and the um, building sets go to the boys. And that is um, some of it. Most of it is just uh, misinformation and stereotypical behavior that's learned from families. So we always want to genderize the roles of women, taking care of the household, taking care of kids, taking care of a husband. Um, and not thinking about women who are mathematicians and the whole notion of just cooking as a science in and of itself, creating a meal, the whole chemistry concept of it. Um, and so throughout our history, and even now we we have scholarships and stipends and fellowships for women in science, STEM, um, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. It is continuously to reverse that misinformation and to get more women to major in the STEM, to become physicists, to become geologists, uh, to become mathematicians, to become engineers, because some people are never going to let go of what they've learned. They have no problems with repeating false information. They have no problems with comparing girls to boys in anything, either their test scores, the way they think, the way they perform. And even when um, we have, you know, just any number of cases where um, you have girls who are participating in robotics programs, those programs are, we're asking the boys if they want to participate first versus the girls. We are having after school robotics programs that um, we're telling girls to go to the dance club and try out for cheerleading versus participate in academic games. And I mean, so it seems like, a, I'm sorry, it seems like a, a, a pretty easy fix. I mean, what, what? mentally uh, changing someone's mindset, uh, Derek, you know, is not easy. No, I'm talking about from, I'm talking about, okay, from the educators, those who are, you know, people in your position. Why not just stop teaching that from the beginning? Why not just do away with the kitchen sets? I mean. Well, we are inviting girls in all of those spaces, but remember, they have to go home. 
And so we find a lot of girls, they don't tell their parents they're in a robotics program after school. They don't mention to their fathers that they are um, on the chess team. They're living a double life. Um, The life that they're living at home, taking care of a sibling or taking care of a parent or a relative. Um, And then they have to come to school and be smart. And so they're negotiating a space that's very tough for them Mm -hmm. because they know they're brilliant. Um, They know they love uh, experiments. They know they love building um, sculptures. They know they love participating in drawing competitions. And they're having to say, hey. Doc, you can't mention that at the parent conference or don't tell, you know, don't tell my mom that I come to academic games after school or don't tell my aunt I'm playing chess and I'm going to the competition. Um, And it is even when you try to have a conversation with families and friends to say, hey, this is a brilliant one. And here's how we can support. Sometimes they just say they're not interested. They have already cast a role. Um, And so for young people, their freedom comes in school and after school programs, their freedom comes in science teachers and math teachers who say, let me send you a link to another program you can participate. Uh, I have had the fortunate pleasure, I should say, of serving on the Orleans Parish School Board for four years. And I actually went to different homes to say, you know what, this kid's pretty bright. How about you allow them to participate in an extra extracurricular activities called robotics. And the parent would say to me, oh, doc, we've never heard of that. That's something that we don't do. You know, black people don't do that. And I I literally have to let them finish that testimony. And then I say, well, that's not true. You know, and share the website, share pictures, share stories of young people who go on to college on full scholarships. I have um, every year always have a group of students who talk to me and confess to me and say, doc, I really want to go to college and my family doesn't want me to go. And so I will help them apply to college and to get navigate the entire college process, watch them get accepted, even on full scholarship. And in some cases, I've driven young people to the airport to catch a plane one way so that they can finish their four year degree to the train station. I've even taken some young people to campus because their value and their love and their passion um, they see themselves outside of their space and their family does, you know, refuses to build capacity in that manner. Um, and particularly for athletes, we have a large number of uh, female athletes who are going to school both on the athletic scholarship and the academic scholarship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are negotiating the space and they are just champions in their spread space and they're encouraging other young women. And I'm excited that they believe in themselves and they take the risk and I talk to them um, by FaceTime, by the phone, by email and I say, hey, what's next? Tell me how I can support you. Um, I've got one who just accepted a full basketball scholarship to Kansas. She's the first one in her family to go to college. She's Mm -hmm. the first one to leave the state of Louisiana Um, and she was so excited and so proud of herself But she just brought me to tears when she said, Doc, I did what you asked me to do and I'm gone. She said, I love you um, and I know you're going to come to my basketball game. And of course, what was my response, Derek? I said, I'll see you in November. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now that I think I know it's important, I know you're you're mentioning females. And I think about myself and I think about young men 
uh, where it's not it's not cool in some circles to be like I grew up in in, in Bedford Simon, so it wasn't cool to talk about you know like you you want to write, and if you were writing, then you were rapping or something, but you weren't. That wasn't you know something that you weren't smart, and if you were, then it was it was it was this. It was not. It's not something that you kind of talk about, you know. If you if you're alone and with your thoughts, and it, it's not something we celebrate. Correct. And so, because Correct. of that, I mean, you, you you can get lost in the in, in the shuffle. You know, I learned how to negotiate and and navigate through. You know, which block to walk down, and which one was safe, and which one was in, and and had the ability to to interact with, with different people. So it kind of kept you safe from, you know, like you were talking about getting beat up on the on the school bus or whatever, you know, in exchange or whatever. Um, but th- this whole idea of being able to normalize brilliance and recognizing yes. it and then and then celebrating it and making that yes. making that yes. cool. That that's 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 what I find um exciting. I was interviewing um a young lady who um it was sort of like Spur the moment interview impromptu. She wanted to, to um she wanted to talk and she's a podcast. I'm like, okay. I had interviews lined up for the day and I said, okay, fine, no problem. I'll I'll set it up. Um then she wasn't able to attend. The next day she came and during the interview, she's she's looking away and her mother, you know, is in the room. I'm like, well, bring your mother in so she knows you're not on the phone talking to some creep. But anyhow, so she's talking. And, and I get to talking to her mom and her mom um, has a, a cleaning company and her mom is like, yo, I'm glad that she's, she found somebody that she can, can talk to to help guide her through this process. But to be able to, to connect a young person with someone who is, is doing something where, they, where they, they, they would like to see themselves and to be able to put them in contact with, with you. At the end of the conversation, she said, um, you know, she wrote a book. I was like, wow, I know someone who wrote a book also. And the mother said, like, yo, she she um, she might need to get it, you know, edited. It's like, okay, I'm glad that she wrote the book. You know, it takes courage to be able to write the book. Let's, you know, it does. does. Yeah. it's You know, at some point you you might have to revisit it or whatever. But the whole idea of being able to celebrate that and being able to say, hey, you know, listen, I know this woman, Dr. Heidi Levitt. She doesn't use a red pen. She uses a yellow highlighter. It's uh, and she's encouraging, you know, and she's a support um, because I, I think it's important to be able to celebrate and just just by proximity, you know, even if it's by by a Zoom call or text to be able to know somebody's out there cheering for you. Yeah, yes, it makes a difference. It does. That's a part of um, why I'm so active with Black Girls Run. Mm-hmm. Um, because we celebrate uh, and we encourage African-American women to be healthy on the pavement through walking, through running, through jogging as a part of their physical journey, as a part of their mental journey and the camaraderie that we build, it becomes a supportive network um, for women to feel good about themselves in the skin that they're in. And so the answer is yes. Um, I am also um, the Louisiana State Secretary for the American Association of University Women. And that's an international organization of women scholars across the diaspora who um, we're in various facets of higher education, uh, both researchers, writers, um, clinicians, 
And that's another resource, another network where you're in a space and women are encouraging you to be in a scholarly space. So I've published two papers on COVID-19. One was happening in education as a result of COVID-19. And so we're in a... It froze. You said you, you published two... Um, I have published two articles mm-hmm. uh, in a journal. So in higher education, you publish into journals. As a... Oops, I'm sorry. As a part of um, your research responsibility, your faculty responsibility. So I'm a tenured faculty member from Dillard University and a SUNO certified faculty member at Southern University at New Orleans. And so both of those articles appear in journals. And so I'm very much um, active in my craft, as you would say, you are a writer. So I'm very much active as a researcher, as a mathematician. And people always say, well, what's your dream goal. So my dream goal is to be a university president. (laughs) Mm. Um, I love the work of Dr. Shirley Jackson, who's at Rensselaer Polytechnic. Um, She is an amazing and phenomenal uh, engineer, scholar, and someone who, if I ever have the opportunity to meet in person, I'm just going to think of two words to say, thank you. (laughs) Yes, don't go with diagonal Derek. (laughs) (laughs) so are we going to explain are we going to explain you need to explain that i i i don't have the 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 uh the wherewithal to explain never come up with diagonal derrick so let's explain so i'm a mathematician and i teach math and i always use a framework for the students to give them a name a mathematical term Mm mm-hmm um, as a part of the, a part of my teaching, a part of their learning. So somewhere along the curriculum, they will come across a mathematical term that matches the first letter, the first initial of their first name. So for you, <laughs> I called you Diagonal Derek, and I explained and said that the hypotenuse is always the longest side whenever it runs through, uh, uh, you know, a square. And so I talked about the connectivity. Um, as a triathlete from one distance to the other. And that's how I said I saved you in my phone because I have other people in my phone named Dirk. I was like, this has to be diagonal Dirk. You just Uh, couldn't have the last name. (laughs) Yeah, well, you actually, in my phone, it says diagonal Dirk Oxley. (laughs) Oh, my God. This this is... um, this has been helpful because uh, very, very informative. Where you, you have the book in front of you? Where can people Do find I have it? The, uh, I what? have it on the Amazon. Book? Oh, you you mean a picture? Yeah, your yes. book. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> I can hold the um, I can hold the book up. That's what you're saying. Yeah, no, I want you to read a poem before we wrap yeah, up. Yeah, this is the, the book. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I have, um, I'll read the one for Monday. Um, so it's, it's, it's set up by days. Is that how, how it works? No, no. It's just one that I picked, um, for Monday. And the significance is that, um, my mother is, uh, has pancreatic cancer stage four. And today is a day, Monday, August 10th, that she has accepted hospice care. Um, And so this is the poem that I read to her. um, And it says, a blessing on Monday. The small word miracle comes to our mind. 
We have waited a long time for your arrival. Family and friends are whispering your name all over the world. Our perfect angel is here. We will do our best to share our laughter with everyone because of you, grandma and grandpa. And the reason why I chose that poem to read to her, she is a grandmother of uh, six. Yeah, six. My mother has six grandchildren. Um, And of course, she lost two, one my son, and then she also lost uh, my niece, Ashley. And her proudest uh, moment, of course, that she has shared with me as she continues to decline um, is that she is ultimately wanting her legacy to be through her grandchildren that they know and come to understand their role and their place in her village um, and in society and to live according accordingly. And so she has been that grandmother who she's crocheted an outfit for every grandchild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and really, she did. <laughs> they either had a scarf or a hat. Um, when she could sew, when she was able to, she has sewn uh, both the uh, outfits for my daughter and my son because they are her oldest grandchildren. And so that was her way of continuously reminding me I'm her oldest daughter. I have a sister that of my responsibility in the village that I came from, that I belong to. And so she's always spoken to me very sternly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe here and there she would have a joke to remind me of the village that raised me both on my father's side, they're Native American and Caucasian. And then on my mother's side, um, they are African American. And she speaks to me in such a way, and she says, does that represent excellence? And that's always her question to me. Heidi, does that represent excellence? And so when she read a poem, I have to say yes. And then I have to explain to her how I represent excellence. Um, And so when she read the book, when she read one uh, poem and then she became full, she said, well, that's excellent. Um, And so the even in her um, transition, she spoke to me to ask me today. She said, and what are you going to do that's excellent today? (laughs) And I said, wow, I said, I'm just finished running on the track. I said, I've come to love on you. I said, I have a podcast with um, Mr. Oxley. Oh, I wasn't diagonal, Derek, because that wouldn't have been excellent. She she would not have been happy with that. (laughs) Uh, I told her, I said, uh, you know, and um, I said, and then I have another uh, research proposal to finish. And she said, very good, uh, Heidi, very good. And so in the spirit of excellence, we're... um, and I've already, you know, as I indicated before, I've already lost my father. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have never changed their conversation with me. My father used to say, "So, did you write today?" And I would say, "No." And he would say, "Why?" I, and he would he wrote to me every week up mm-hmm. until he stopped writing. He sent massive letters, and then he would call to find out if I read every page. And, he would refer to page numbers and I would go, uh, yes. And we would have a conversation about his writing. And of course I miss him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, everyone says we look like twins and that's true. <laughs> um, and everyone says I act like my mother and that's also true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, um, the spirit of excellence lives within me and I believe it lives in all of us. And it's one of my passions to cultivate that excellence. When my, our son was murdered, we gave away $13,000 in scholarship money that people from all over the world sent. Um, some of them who had never had children, some of them who could not process or understand a murder. Um, they sent money and those three young men are also highlighted both on my Instagram and my Facebook page. Uh, one graduated soon cum laude from Howard this past May, Anthony. Um, another student, he's graduating from Southeastern in marketing this December. And then the young man, uh, Chucky, who has started Langston University in the fall. And that spirit of excellence, all of us can do. When we think about the passing, and you posted about the passing of your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something all of us can do. Even if you don't start a scholarship, you can always you know, write a check to the university for a book. Or there is some student somewhere who is in need of financial assistance just to graduate. Um, And so you call in and you say, hey, I've got $100 and I want to help a kid graduate with this book scholarship. You know, can you make sure they, or in your case, buy English book? And we know how expensive college textbooks are. Um, And then that becomes a part of your legacy. And that young person internalizes excellence and they say you know what if mr oxley can think enough of me mm-hmm. and move me in the space of excellence to graduate then certainly when i graduate um i'm going to do the same thing yeah. and so yeah. that part of yeah that part of philanthropy and excellence is beyond um goes far beyond having a conversation about or ex- it extends the conversation of expectation. So it's one thing to say you expect excellence, but then we also have to pay for it yeah. um, and pay and pay it forward. And we can all do that. Just changing our mindset, our habit. Um, we're very consumptive of goods, shoes, clothes, things like that. But what about a $200 savings bond when a child is born? What about a $250 scholarship to a student who's right on the edge of graduating? Um, and they need the $250 for the last set of books. So on my Facebook page, there's a link um, to a scholarship in my father's name for a student at Diller University. Mm-hmm. And a student athlete will receive that scholarship this fall um, so that they can graduate because we know how important a college degree is and we know how life can change with a college degree. And that's just what I call love in action. So taking what I have and sharing the resources, asking others to participate who had never thought about it, um, and saying, okay, this is love in action. And we know how to support and applaud our young people Mm -hmm. in those spaces where they exist and say, we love you. You did it. We are proud of you. Now continue to move forward. Yeah. My daughter started a, um, a foundation, uh, love walks. Awesome. Because it's, you know, it's an action. It's an action. It's just not just talking about it and, and just getting out there and doing it. It is, um, it's incredible. Well, doc, thank you so very much for being on the show. I certainly appreciate it. It's not international, but it's local. It, it will go international as soon as I uh, post the link. Cause I have friends in South Africa who are waiting to hear about it. Okay. Well, 
I, I will uh, I will I will keep them waiting with bated breath. I don't know if I said that correctly, but if I didn't, I'm sure you will. Uh, you, <laughs> you said it correctly. <laughs> where where can they find um the book? Where can they find the it? Book? Mm-hmm. The book is on Amazon. Um, when you pull up my name, uh, Heidi Lovett, it's there. You can also click the link from my Instagram, which is Doc Heidi Sunshine. And mm-hmm. you can also click the link from Facebook. My Facebook name okay. is Doc Heidi Sunshine. Last two final thoughts. Sunshine, where'd that come from? The sun always rises. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the hard way when my son passed. Um, the day we buried him, um, it rained and we were out at the gravesite. And when the rain stopped, the sun came up. And I thought, thank you, God, for shining down on all of us. Um, and so that's where my Facebook name came from, Doc Heidi Sunshine. Okay. And are you a preacher? <laughs> I am not a preacher. I have been a Sunday school teacher. Um, you I did said great the divinity. I'm like, you said... I'm trying to find I'm, the connection with Divinity School. I mean, it's not. It's not I've a- created. I created a whole health movement at my church. Um, <laughs> I have. I'm also, not laughing. I'm just. <laughs> well, I, and I I created an online devotional. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at five thirty, people call in from all over the world, and for fifteen minutes, uh, we have a scripture and a prayer. So it's funny because. Um, I have been asked that question before if I'm a preacher. You said Divinity like, School. Like, who goes to the, you go to Divinity School just, just for the sake? Just, just, oh, what are they doing? I don't know what you want to do. Let's go to Divinity School. Okay. No, it was. Um, I'll to you. Just don't beat me up on the bus and we'll go to Divinity School. Like, that's not, it's not abnormal. It was, I thought you would were a preacher. I was like, okay, you, you're, you know, it's, 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 you're intriguing, you know, a fascinating individual. I could see why. Um, you were at the international level. There's so many different facets and layers to you, Doc. Well, I, my first international, I'll close with this. Um, my first international mission trip was to South Africa. And mm. we stayed at the only um, integrated convent in all of South Africa that the government was still trying to shut down. And every morning at 5 a.m., I would wake up with... Um, uh, white Africans who were praying over me and they would meet me. Um, and this is a convent. They would meet me for prayer mm-hmm. and they would tell me their stories of how their families had ostracized them because they were in the integrated convent, um, how they had been cut off from people who said that they loved them because they had chosen to live a life for God. And I'll never forget uh, when I told them my story about my son being murdered. She said, Heidi, and what does God do for you over here in South Africa that he does for you in the United States? And I burst into tears. I said, he wakes me up. She said, he does. He said, she said to me, he's God shines his son on me every time I wake up. And it is my responsibility to choose how to love and to share my love. And you talk about, (laughs) like, God will put her in my spirit and in my presence. And because they were under such attack by the South African government, we Mm -hmm. could not take pictures. Um, And when she said, 
to me that she would burn the memory and I had to etch the memory in my mind of our conversation and to remember to have devotion and prayer every morning to seek his face and guidance. And so that was the impetus of creating the um, international prayer call where people call in uh, because God has been the phone number. I don't have it memorized. (laughs) Um, I'll send it to Look you. at the big grin on Dr. Sunshine. Like, okay, you just, you really just like, okay, let me get the number. It is. And you're a seven, number person. <laughs> the, the number is 712 770. It's, um, hold on, I get back to the. Okay, so the number is 712 770. Five five zero five. That's seven one two seven seven zero five five zero five. And then the access number is five eight four eight seven four. So the access number is five eight four eight seven four. And I've posted it in Black Triathletes um, before. And so that's how. Whew, that that's how amazing life has been. That a, a South African nun <laughs> would tell me, and that's why God sent me. Um, you know, and that has been a continuous spiritual journey. I don't know if you've um, ever lost a child, but certainly at any age, it is uh, one that I wish on no one. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it happens every day. Um, and it's a regular occurrence in cities like New Orleans, Chicago, Atlanta. Um, and I've had to minister both in person as well as uh, virtually to uh, women all over the world who have lost their sons or their daughters, um, particularly from war. And that's on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly when God grants you that life and then another human being takes that life, you have to move into a space of finding a different way to live, knowing that you are still here for a purpose Um, and taking that time out to seek both spiritual care as well as counseling on your journey um, of life. And I do, I do encourage particularly African-American women and families and just women in general, that of all faiths, that when you have such a loss, that you not beat yourself up, um, that you do seek your higher power and that you allow yourself a space to heal and just grow and continue to be that woman that you were meant to be. And certainly when you get to a space where you're comfortable of ministering to other women or sharing your story, that you share your story and know that there's nothing you could have done to alter, to know it's not your fault, um, to know that you are just perfectly imperfect and that God still loves you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Doc, thank you so very much for being on the show. Um, you enjoy the rest of your day and uh, make sure you're, you know, doing what you need to do to be excellent. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Take care, Doc. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.